Hello and welcome to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, where I, Michelle Carville, interview business leaders around the practicalities of how, in this hyper-connected digital age, they are embracing digital technologies to tune in and connect and communicate. You can find all episodes of the podcast together with show notes via our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. In this episode of the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, I'm delighted to interview Matt Crabtree. Matt is the founder and principal partner of Positive Momentum. He's an unusual combination of farmer turned corporate guy. After spending the first 20 years of his life in the world of agriculture, he significantly changed direction and started a corporate career that accelerated quickly. Achieving his first executive board position running the sales function of a 500 million telecoms company at just 28, and then went on to become one of the youngest senior executives at Barclays Bank at only 31. Today, he travels the world, often collaborating with other Positive Momentum partners, delivering services to a wide range of progressive companies that really want to shake up the way they do things. He's renowned for speaking at conferences on leadership, change and transformation and growth, providing one-to-one coaching, running selective training workshops and an increasing portfolio of advisory work. So Matt, welcome to the Connected Leader podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Delighted to be here. So it's great to have you here. We've met a couple of times around um, at events where we've been talking about courageous leadership. And I know um, I follow, uh, in fact, it was it prompted me to get in touch to, to get you on the podcast because I saw a wonderful interview that you were, were giving and that was shared on LinkedIn. I know you're very active on, on the social media channel. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you got started with social media and where that kind of fits in for you as the leader of your organisation. Yeah, social media and me sort of have an interesting, probably slightly checkered background in some ways, in the sense that I started my consulting company in 2003. And I don't know, remember, I don't remember exactly the year LinkedIn started, you probably do. But I remember having a badge for a while on my LinkedIn profile that said I was in the first million members. Um, and I don't think it's an understatement to say that LinkedIn is probably the thing that's made the biggest difference to the success of my consulting firm. I'm not sure I could have sustained it in the way that I have without LinkedIn. And it's become at the very core of what we do. And we've built an operating system for our team of consultants and and it has LinkedIn activity at its core. We use other channels less, and I guess we might explore those um, over the next few minutes. But it's been, I, I, I can't, overstate how significant it's been in the development of my consulting business. And is that is that because you were utilising the channel to expand your networks or to nurture the networks you already had to kind of, or, or, or in what way has it been so significant? I'd say it's much more about nurturing than expanding for me. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of activity on these channels about having huge scale networks and connecting with, you know, anyone and everyone. And we've always had a sort of bit of a policy that, you know, we connect with people that we know. So if we meet somebody or we have a meaningful interaction with them, it's a sort of almost default reaction to connect with them so that we can follow their insights, they can follow our insights. And there's this sort of passive digital relationship quietly developing in the background 
Um, and we, we like the subtlety of that. I, I don't like the sort of bluntness of the, you know, request for connection from people I've never heard of for entirely spurious reasons. I find that all slightly nauseating. But uh, it, it's much more for us about that nurturing of relationships. You know, Michelle, we're all so busy, aren't we, right? Yeah. We are doing a million and one different things. And therefore, we want to show up on a platform, but in a somewhat unobtrusive way. And we've convinced ourselves, maybe rightly or wrongly, but we've convinced ourselves that LinkedIn is somewhat unobtrusive. At least it's choice for somebody to, to look at it. And if they notice us periodically, then that's just a little, you know, ding, a little reminder that we're there. And maybe a little reminder that we know what we're talking about with something um, and, and might lead to a conversation that might lead to something. Yeah. So that's very much the positioning of you sharing your thought leadership, isn't it? That that expertise, that viewpoint on on the work that you do and and allowing that to be slowly dripped out in snackable, um, easily digestible ways to those audiences that you're that you're working with or you know nurtured nurturing in in some way um and so do you so you're i've seen that you write content you share content is that something then as you you have is it that the people that are part of your team you've brought them on board said this is what i do you do this or is it that it's it's just organically become just a way of how you all operate I mean, I think it's become it organically, but, but that organic growth has now it's become a significant part of what we do in the way that we do it. Okay. And you know, if if I'm really honest, I look at I look at a, an organisation like McKinsey as a bit of a very high watermark. So I think the quality it galls me to recommend another consulting firm, but I'm afraid I must <laughs> um, because the quality of their insight work is extraordinary. I mean, it is phenomenally good journalism if nothing else yeah. but but the practicality of it the applicability of it the breadth of it the depth of it the substance of it it's a bit of a high watermark for us and we look at that and think that's how that organization has attempted to become what what they call the world's trusted advisor in our own little way 40 consultants around the world in our own little way that's kind of how we'd like to be seen by our clients yeah. and we've seen that by working at that using channels social media channels, you can, A, help people. So, you know, honestly, part of my hope is it helps loads of people who would never even contemplate buying from us, right? So I suspect 98% of people who read our material are never even going to imagine buying from us, but hopefully we make the world a slightly different, better place and help people a little bit. There's the 2% who either have bought from us before or might think of buying from us in the future, and it, it it's paying it forward a bit, right? It's, yeah. It's being open. It's open sourcing our insight, um, and and if that leads to a, a more substantive conversation about some work, then great. And if it doesn't, well, that's fine too. But yeah, we are we are definitely standing on the shoulders of giants. I'm afraid there's there's little uh, there's little new creative thought behind this. We are uh, we are mimicking others. But you are showing and telling the work that you're doing. It's kind of showing what's going on in the inside sharing that out so that others can clearly understand the work that you do and the expertise going on within within your consultancy. That's true. Although what we don't do is, um, you know, push case studies out or, yeah. you know, big hurrahs about new contracts we've won or we, we find that 
slightly nauseating, to be honest. And so we're relatively low level about that. In fact, we don't really talk about that at all. We share our experience and our point of view on a particular topic. And we share what we think is what we call no-nonsense business expertise. So we share practical advice. I and my colleagues are all former business leaders. So we've all worked in, in industry, um, in, very often in very large corporates. So we've got a very practical point of view. It's not academic. It's very practical. It's very uh, applicable um, for somebody so they can go, they can take it and apply it in the real world quite fast. And that's our, that's our strategy, if you like, yeah. is to put that message out there as I say, in the certain knowledge that that lots of people will never, you know, will read it and they might use it, and and so that's fine, right? They might never buy from us. Yeah. It's a small, it's a small number of people that we need to buy from us, and that's okay. Yeah, brilliant. And so that is that's become a strategy. You mentioned that you use LinkedIn more than other channels. Are you using other channels? I mean, we have a we have a Facebook um, company page. Uh, we uh, have a Twitter um, handle. And anything that we put on LinkedIn, we put on those platforms. Yeah. So we use those platforms to distribute and federate the message, but we don't use those platforms in and of themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's simply because you know, we're a management consulting firm. It, it's a relatively finite community of customers that might consider our services. It's all B2B. There is no B2C element. And it's the sort of upper end of B2B. Therefore, LinkedIn just feels instinctively like the right place. We rather like the publishing platform that LinkedIn has. So we find that rather helpful for developing material because, of course, you can produce drafts and you can use it as the place that you're testing your material out in. So we find that slightly convenient. I sound like a LinkedIn salesperson. Now. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, is, it is quite convenient for having that repository and that place to develop the material it's not that we object to the use of the other platforms it's just that they they feel and we probably need to get education from an expert like you they feel a bit more b2c-ish and we're and we're obviously very much not a b2c company okay brilliant and so yeah we'll, we'll need to talk about that <laughs> got a few books you could read well um, I've, read, I've, read, I've read them already of course i have <laughs> of course you have so um so so from a leadership perspective, because of course there's been, there's been a lot of, uh, particularly coming out or in this pandemic, moving through this pandemic, should we say, there's been a lot of um, discussion, particularly on LinkedIn uh, and Twitter, around leaders being visible and the need for leaders to be visible at this time for their audiences, whether that's their own teams, whether that's their clients. Um, What's, what's your view on where social media technologies fit as resources for leaders? Yeah, I mean, this is, I've been working with leaders for nearly two decades and then had spent some time being one in corporate life before that. I'm not sure visibility and social media are necessarily, you know, necessarily equate to one another. You know, visibility for leaders has always been and will always be important. Yeah. It just so happens that in the last couple of decades, we've acquired this handy little extra tool, which is social media. And if, if, you know, if anybody's asking as a leader, you know, should I be active on social media, then 
I don't know. I think that must be, you know, one of the very early chapters in one of your very early books. I mean, hopefully we're all somewhat past that that point of understanding that whether you like it or not, it is here to stay and it is a critical part of the armory. However, I do see some leaders thinking, well, I've, I've put stuff out on social media, therefore I'm done. <laughs> you know, now I can sort of go back to my, you know, mahogany office and, and put my feet up on the desk. I'm not sure there's any leaders that do that anymore. But you know what I mean. <laughs> And, and therefore, I do think it's, it's often assumed to be the only part of the solution, and, and, it, and it certainly isn't. There are leaders um, who are somewhat more quiet on social media or have their messages more carefully crafted on social media, and one can completely understand why that is. I was watching a, a very interesting webinar just last night, actually, coincidentally, my daughter is at university, she's an English graduate, and we were watching a webinar from The Guardian um, uh, by a very senior journalist there talking about journalism in the social media age um, and talking about how different it was from when he started and talking about tweet, what he called tweet trips, which is go to a country, put out a tweet, say you're looking for information for a story, and then go around. And he told a fascinating story about uh, Greece and the economic crisis in Greece and how he produced a story. The, the point being social media has become both wonderful and very, very revealing, very, very transparent. And therefore, you know, we work with quite a lot of quite senior CEOs, some quite well known, and the care they have to take over what is said and how it is perceived is considerable. And so it becomes as much of a liability as it is an asset but it's not, it's not a channel that anybody can afford to ignore in any uh, walk of life. It's simply unavoidable. But the care and the expertise that somebody like you and your organisation offers uh, is increasingly important because the missteps are legion, are they not? The, right. the things that people have done and said and when you have one of the allegedly most powerful leaders on the earth um, tweeting every 20 seconds, all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff, then, uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe he needs to be a client, although I'm not sure you'd accept him. But. <laughs> I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> um, and and so, so how about you then showing up? Because it is about showing up for your, you know, for your audiences in that, in that nurturing way. And, and I think that's a very valid point about transparency and the care and the thought that goes behind how you're going to show up online that's 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 the critical piece as you say for anybody so what about this challenge that some people find uh, particularly from a leadership perspective and it's a question I often get this balancing personal and business you know for some people and on this podcast some people said well for me it's 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 what I do, you know. There's a, how is that for you, Matt? Is it is it what you do, or is there a is there that line of you're care, cautious and careful about that personal business perspective? So, so I, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm 51, and therefore I'm naturally cautious with social media. I'm not saying all 51 year olds are, but um, you know, often older generation people take a bit more care. Whereas, you know, I've got an 18 and a 20 year old daughter. Um, my 18-year-old particularly will Instagram, you know, pretty much everything. Um, and by the way, some of what she Instagrams, it, it's beautiful pictures. When you look at her stories and the curation, we've just been in Norfolk for a week and she's got a little curation of, of our experience in Norfolk and it's brilliant. And it's not 
you know, what are we revealing? You know, we went to the beach and we had some nice food. And I mean, you know, sort of so what? And it, and it's beautifully taken. And she's got a bunch of friends who, who kind of enjoy it and they share each other's experiences. So so what's the big deal, right? I, as a as an individual, I choose to share relatively little of my personal life for no other reason than I'm not sure I've massively got time. I don't. I don't hugely, I don't object to the idea. Um, you know, I use Facebook. I'm probably more of a voyeur than a, than a participator. Um, I try to steer clear of the more hysterical stuff. Um, that's not that I don't feel passionately about lots of issues in the world. I do. But I do think that things are often taken wildly out of proportion out of perspective and people in the heat of the moment put all sorts of dreadful things out in the world and i do think that that's an issue with that sort of platform but but it's not going to go away and as i watch my girls managing it i think they use it beautifully they use it responsibly um they engage really positively they they long ago understood the perils of you know, putting images out there that will follow you for the rest of the rest yeah. of your life. I think schools do a very good job these days of managing that understanding. Um, so, so long-winded answer to a simple question. I'm cautious, but I'm not terrified. Yeah. And some of it is probably just sort of slight digital laziness in the sense that at work, I spend a huge amount of time on LinkedIn and it's a go-to place. And I sort of don't mind turning it off periodically, but... Yeah. I don't object to it. And do you find that you, you're learning things that you may not ordinarily have been able to access through social media? Do you oh find God. it as a, a learning platform? Oh, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I'm running a, a program for a client just tomorrow um, where we're talking about, you know, we do lots of things for, for growth and for leadership and change in, in our principal topics that we work on in our organisation. And one particular client, you know, they're selling into a particularly difficult market um, and, they, and we have won a webinar programme to run with their teams. And we've developed the webinar programme, but we developed it two or three weeks ago, which, you know, pre, pre-pandemic, you know, that, that was sort of relatively last minute. Now you, you prepare things two or three weeks ago. You have to kind of then keep relooking to see, is this current? What's the situational change in a particular country, a particular economy, or a particular industry? Yeah. Um, and I don't know where I would get that if it wasn't for social media, if it wasn't particularly for my LinkedIn feed. Now, there's a load of old nonsense on my LinkedIn feed as well, which sort of makes me roll my eyes back in my head. But I very rarely look at it and don't get something and think, that's really interesting. Now, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm an obsessive learner. I've got walls full of books and I'll go and watch speeches or training courses on anything, right? And so I think if you're curious, if you're interested in the world, social media is like this enormous gift. Do you have to wade through it a bit? Well, yeah, but... You know what? I had some terrible teachers at school, you know, 40 years ago. So, you know, I mean, that's no, it's no different. I remember looking in the Encyclopedia Britannica for my homework and never finding the answer to the thing I was looking for. I do remember reading lots of stuff that was very interesting. It had nothing to do with the subject I was trying to work my way through. So I don't think it's any different. Um, arguably, it's a massive amount better. Massive amount. The, yeah. the guy from The Guardian was saying, 
I can't remember how, what he said. Certainly more than 50% of the visits to the Guardian website come through social media platforms. Yeah. And articles are shared, they leap into it. So they don't go to the homepage. And nobody, you know, very few people actually go to the homepage. They come in through an article. Absolutely. And, and it's been interesting. I've been looking at a lot of the research around our behaviour at the moment and social media has got more eyeballs on it than than ever before. You know, I mean, it was busy before, but it, it's interesting, isn't it, that in our we turn to social media now more and more for news and updates and less around entertainment. Um, I mean, TikTok, I think, is still very much an entertainment channel. I don't think we're going there for news just yet. But, you know, it's, it's interesting how we are now consuming and those curious minds are going and, and able to source what we, you know, the news that we want to see and, 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 and find those things I think out. that's right. And the, and the beauty with your network, you know, this is why I'm sure as you do, we spend a lot of time talking to people about, about honouring their network, about, you know, curating their network because – the better your network management, whether that's LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever you're on, the better the curation of material that will come to you. And so when you start to really think about, well, that's somebody I'd like to be connected with, or that's a company I'd like to follow, or that's an influencer I'd like to follow, suddenly the information starts to be crafted. And this is the positive side of that, you know, slightly nasty Cambridge Analytica stuff. The more positive side of it is, if your interests are, you know, benign, then you'll start to get information that helps you to do what you want to do to help the world. You know, I want to help organisations to change, grow and lead. So guess what? Most of the information I get helps me to think about how to help organisations to change, grow and lead. And, And I'm okay with that. Now, I also get, if I go and look at a pair of trainers from, you know, A and other famous uh, uh, emporium for trainers, I will start to see those very often too. And, and you know, that is what it is, right? I mean, it, you know, lots of people get very angry about that. I understand that, but I, I don't think it's particularly evil, frankly. No, there's um, there's and, balance, isn't there? There's, there's, there's a balance. So given the work that you do and the change and the transition, have you seen, particularly with the type of work that you're doing, more leaders, their appetite shifting towards social media? I mean, you said, you said now you, you think that most people are beyond understanding that these are important channels. There are still certain there is still a little bit of scepticism there in, in certain areas. Yeah. But, you know, what, what's your view or your take or what have you seen over the years, that transition? through? Yeah, change? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being slightly glib um, because I, 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 like you, encounter people on a reasonably regular basis who the minute I start talking about, you know, particularly, we'll talk about LinkedIn, I can see their eyes rolling in the back of their heads um, and, and them switching off. Um, and... You know, it's much less than it was. Yeah. But I do think, you know, the shift has been substantial. And I think above all else, people have seen, particularly in business, people have seen that this helps me with talent attraction, talent retention, talent development. It helps me with my own awareness. It helps me monitor competitors. It helps me stay close to what's going on. So I do think I do think the point of view is changing. And for those that don't get it by now, 
I'm not sure they're ever going to get it, you know? And I suspect some of them are just thinking, well, soon enough, I won't have to be part of all this and I'll, you know, be drawing the pension and it'll be okay. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think there are some people who just think, well, I can just live it out. And of course, their argument is always, well, let me show you my LinkedIn feed then. And look, here's some idiot who's, you know, telling us about his new car and here's somebody, you know, trying to sell me something. Oh, look, it's terrible. Uh, to which I normally, you know, then get out a newspaper and go, well, show me all the bits of the newspaper you don't like as well. But it didn't stop you buying it or picking it up if you just picked it up at the station. You still used it, but you, you've got some sort of special objection to this because it's digital. I, I don't really get that. What what did you expect? Um, but it's here to stay, and it has made the most tremendously positive difference um, is it perfect? No, but I, I don't know a channel that is. I've been to plenty of boring conferences, you know, where there's no material. So yeah, it, 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 it's an inexact science like all communication channels are. But my goodness, has it, has it, has it federated and democratized knowledge? Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. And so, you know, as we move kind of towards the, the close of our discussion not quite yet but towards it what would you say that your what's been your biggest learning around utilizing digital technologies if you were if somebody was saying to you know I don't want to get involved I don't want to get involved I mean for all of those aspects that you've just said about the knowledge and the you know the connectivity that that it enables what what for you has been your biggest learning over the years around digital particularly social media can i have two yes um so the first would be footprint so um you know whatever it is 20 minutes or so ago i said you know i don't want to connect with anyone and everyone which i don't but i do want to connect with everybody that i meet so you and i met a few months ago I don't know whether you you were the first to send me an invitation or I sent you one, but it doesn't really matter because it all happened on the same day. Um, because it's it's like muscle memory to you and I. We just wouldn't imagine not doing that. And so I think creating a big enough footprint is is important. We often say to people um, in business, you ought to have this is LinkedIn. You ought to have a thousand connections for every ten years in business. So 1,000 connections for every 10 years in business, a rough sort of proxy. You've got less than 1,000 connections for every 10 years in business. I think there's people you've worked with and met who for some reason you've decided not to connect to because you think that, well, I didn't really like them or they didn't like me or they weren't clever enough or pretty enough or I don't know. They had some sort of spurious reason for not connecting to them, which I personally think is daft, right? If you know somebody, be connected so that you have the biggest digital footprint of people who know you to some extent, even yeah. if it's only to a limited extent. Yeah. Secondly, substance. Um, substance in what you share and what you communicate. You know, I see a lot of people commenting on things that people have shared. You know, kind of, thanks for sharing. Great comment. Like, really? You know, just yeah. what a waste of time. You know, please, if you're going to say something, then say something, then add some value and give me some insight and give me some, some substance. And I do, I do think it's a thing we all have to have in mind, which is how can I add to this rather than how can I just go, hello, I'm here, because yeah. um, that's really a bit empty. 
Um, and so we worry about that a lot. And I'm, and I'm very sure, by the way, anyone who's listening, I'm very sure you're going to look at my profile and you go, well, there's not much substance in that. And you'll be right. Substance yeah. is, a, is a dial, it's not a switch. Yeah, I <laughs> agree. And, and I think it's keeping in mind with that substance, this is a conversation. You, you know, and how would you, how would you respond to that conversation? Oh, great. You know, it's, if you think about it that way, congratulations. <laughs> is that it? You know, you could say anything else. Uh, Happy birthday. That's the favourite, isn't it? Yes. Happy birthday. Yes. And, and it even, all you have to do is press a button and it's there. I mean, I'm not trying to, yep. if anybody's ever sent me a happy birthday message, thank you so much for sending it. But the people who say happy birthday and, you know, how you doing or, you know, how's Rowena or whatever, you know, who, who ask something else, that, that I honour. And, and I, it's something I try to remember myself. But you're right, it's so right. I never thought of it that way. It, you wouldn't do it in a conversation, would you? Congratulations. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I've got to say. Um, you know, I'm sure some people would, but it's it's not going to it's not going to develop that conversation. It's not going to open it up or you know move things on. So that's very good. That's very good. It's an in, it's interesting. So um, so what what else do I want to speak to you about? I want to. So we talked about those learnings, and I think that's great. What would you say to those other two people? Uh, those two things. Footprint. I really like that. And what I like about that, Matt, is it's not because, as you say, there's a lot of, we've all been there, there's the spam that, that, that comes up on, you know, and I mean, now you can spot them. I saw somebody the other day, my radar for this now is so hot because it seems to have, have got worse and, it, and it, it's, it's so obvious sometimes. So that footprint of people that actually you genuinely have met and there is that relationship, I think, is... is, yeah. is I, mean, I mean, Michelle, people have got to stop sending these stupid inboxes. I mean, people who are um, lead generators for coaches and consultants, it's in their title, right? And if any of them are listening, thank you ever so much for the work you're doing. But would you just maybe even go and visit my website first? I mean, just if you really, really want to do business with me, say something to me about me. Persuasion is personal, right? So if you want to persuade me, talk to me about me. And then you will light up parts of my brain. We even know through neuroscience now, if you talk to me about me, my self-reflected part of my brain lights up and I'm much more likely to act, but you don't get that. Do you want some leads for your consulting business? No, thanks. Goodbye. Yeah. Just like, really? Yeah. Oh, I get asked all the time. I think, goodness, that was a bit rude, you, you know, a bit, a bit harsh. And they'll say, can, can we give you some social media training? Can we, can, 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 would, would, you like, would you like us to teach you about how to use, you know, certain channel it's like oh this is that's kind of hurts a bit you know? <laughs> let's have they haven't looked at my website <laughs> quite, quite. Well, they, don't worry they haven't they never do they never do so i like to round up the um the podcast with a little bit about learning about you and some three very quick um quick fire questions that are quite enormous questions but it's just kind of top of the head thinking that just gives us that little bit of of beyond the social CEO and the social tech that we've been talking about a little bit more about you. So if you could change one thing in the world, Matt, what would it be? Oh, that's easy. Um, More empathy. More empathy. If we have discovered one thing during the last three, four months, whatever it's been, feels like forever, um, it is that time to listen and truly understand to 
put your own self-interest aside just momentarily and empathize with others. And whether that's in a negotiation uh, for a massive business deal or a conversation with your teenage daughter, it doesn't matter. Empathy is a hugely underrated professional and personal skill. And I think it's important enough for us to teach it in school. I think it's such a massive thing. And when we get it right, so many of the things that we've seen in the world, and let's face it, you know, there have been two massive events in the world in the last four to six months. Um, a lot of those begin to be, begin to be addressed yeah. by an ability to understand each other better. But it's fascinating, isn't it, how quickly things start to unravel in that regard, how the world now wants to find somebody to blame for coronavirus, to find yeah. uh, governments to criticise for their... Uh, reaction to the way that they've operated it. So we default as human beings into that lack of understanding very quickly. But um, I think we might have seen a, 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 you know, two steps forward and, and maybe one step back, but yes. I think maybe two steps forward. So yeah. empathy would always will always be my choice. Yeah, wonderful. And like you say, that if sustained empathy, if we can create it as a habit, you know, and kind of not jump back to that blame culture and, and remain in empathy. That would be so, well, change, change everything forever, wouldn't it? But, but we, we, there has been change and that's felt really good. I think it feels good, doesn't it, empathy, um, mm. when we mm. can practice that. So lovely, wonderful, I love that. What about, I mean, you are surrounded by books and I know you are an avid reader like myself. Um, so which book have you read recently that has inspired you? Um, can I have two? Yes. Again. It's a habit. So um, the most recent book that I've read that's inspired uh, me is uh, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Um, uh, inspiration is definitely a word. There are many other words as a privileged white person that I could use to describe how it has made me feel. Um, I've been reading, as I know many of us have, voraciously on the subject, something I thought I understood and have come to realise I don't even begin to understand it. Um, and so I found that to be incredibly important. In fact, in, the, in my organisation, we now have a book club on that subject, on the subject of racial diversity. Uh, we have an, another session on Thursday morning, and, and the purpose of those sessions is to bring a book that we've read over the previous three weeks um, and discuss it amongst us and to see what our part as an organisation might be uh, in resolving that that heinous um, discrimination that, that still occurs. Uh, we haven't found our platform yet, but we continue to listen and learn and look yeah. for it. Um, the other one is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, best book ever written. Uh, I could remove every book on my shelf uh, and replace it with How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, if Dale Carnegie was still around, uh, he would be the number one person on social media. I have no doubt about it. I think it was the best thing that ever had been um, invented. So uh, everyone should read it. It should be uh, compulsory reading for every human being, in my opinion. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, do you know what? You've inspired me to get that out again and give it another read because it is such a good bit. It's a, it's a revisitor as well, isn't it? It is. It is, it is. And, and so many books are based on it. It's the mother and father yes. of every other self-development and yeah. interpersonal yeah. I agree with that. And last but certainly not least, Matt, what's the best piece of advice you've been given to date? 
<laughs> can you have two? Yes, you can if you need them. I don't think I do really. Um, and it's slightly inspired by, you know, How to Win Friends and also a little bit Seven Habits. The best thing I ever got taught, and I was lucky to get taught it early in my career, because it definitely doesn't come naturally as anybody in my friends, uh, friendship group or family will tell you, um, which is to be more interested than interesting. Um, and I, I learned about that early. I was lucky in, my, in an early job that I had. They were very self-development oriented. And I had that concept communicated to me in a lot of different ways. And the idea of doing what you've done beautifully in the last 40 minutes, which is being interested in the ramblings of this idiot, um, and, and made me feel important. And that ability to honour other people's opinions, to open your ears, not just to be falsely interested, to sort of make them, manipulate them into liking you, but actually really seriously listen to them. Yeah. And I, you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times, you know, I have an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old daughter, and I get told a lot of stuff at the moment. I get a lot of, a lot of home education is going on, a bit of homeschooling going on at our, uh, at our place, but I'm the, uh, I'm the student. Um, and I am learning enormous amounts, but I have to put aside my authority, my uh, sense of knowing things, my belief that somehow a father should know uh, more than his children, because I definitely don't on masses of subjects. Mm. And I have my point of view challenged frequently and it's incredibly healthy. Yeah. But you have to remind your ego of that. I have to remind my, my ego. If anybody's sitting listening to this who knows me to any degree, they'll know. I kind of like the sound of my own voice. I'm illustrating it pretty well now. Um, and a, and a, it's a lesson I teach myself daily, if not hourly. Yeah, great. I love, love, love that, Matt. So, listen, it's been really wonderful to talk to you. It's certainly not been ramblings. I've thoroughly enjoyed picking your brains and finding out your views, thoughts, the you know, the insights that you've shared about how you're using social and the technologies and how you've seen that shift and the impact that has for your business and how you balance all of that um, and what that means for you and the, the value that you get. So, I mean, there's just so much in there. It's just, I love that about the footprint and the substance. Substance, you know, oh, that is so, every time I see one of those con comments now, you know, I'm just going to be giggling as to, mm-hmm, there's another one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We all see them. So thank you. Thank you so much. How can people find out more about um, what you're doing, Matt? Where, where can they find, you know, your organization, your web links? How can they connect with you? I mean, I know you don't just connect with anybody, but if people have met you uh, and they want to find out more about the work, uh, don't just connect and spam, Matt, but, uh, you know, find out. How can they find out about you? Michelle, that's kind. Thank you. Um, so positivemomentum.com is our consulting company, uh, around 40 consultants uh, around the world doing work with lots of uh, amazing work with lots of great organizations. So positivemomentum.com. My personal website is mattcrabtree.co.uk. Um, so delighted for uh, people to visit. 
I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, <laughs> um, and delighted to uh, to hear from people, to engage with people. You want to have a conversation with me that leads to a connection? Uh, I'd be I'd be absolutely delighted. Those are my uh, those are my principal poisons, um, and be delighted to be connected with people. And thank you to you for the opportunity. Delightful to talk to you, Michelle. You do fantastic work with organisations in this really important topic. So, bravo to you. More power to your elbow, uh, and thanks for the chance today. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been listening to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast. Thank you to my guest and indeed thank you to you for tuning in. Please do feel free to share the podcast with colleagues and friends who you think will enjoy it and indeed subscribe to tune in for more episodes. You'll find the podcast on all the usual platforms and all episodes are also on our website carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You'll also find some really useful digital and social resources on that site too, so be sure to check those out. So for now, from me, Michelle Carville, your host on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and goodbye. Oh, P.S. If you're a business leader with something to share around digital and social technologies and you're keen to be a guest on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, michelle at carvelcreative.co.uk.